Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. And thank you, John, for ending your holdout and suiting up for the podcast. I need you. Can't go into this critical week of podcasting with my second string podcast partner. Oh, no worries, Eric. Uh, you know, my, my next sick day for illness in my 35-year career will be my first. Uh, wow. Like. Like Cal Ripken, I eventually tired of the burden and took a few <laughs> days off for the hiker's hip version of Tennis Elbow about 15 years ago. Okay. So, uh, so I'm officially uh, have been on the sick list, but uh, basically you can count on me to uh, suit up. All uh, right. So wait, can I can I hold out? I didn't I didn't know about that. I, I'll look good for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd prefer if you didn't. But uh, do you mind if I start calling you John the Iron Man Brennan from now on then? I, I like it. Okay. All right. And uh, speaking of holdouts and second stringers and all that, I should note, I failed to play Pittsburgh's James Conner in DFS last week. Huge mistake. Just bad, inexcusable. I still had a winning week, uh, but I definitely left a few bucks on the table there uh, by not playing uh, Le'Veon Bell's backup. Um, So thanks to all of you for joining us for episode number six. We're coming to you one day earlier than usual this week due to my travel schedule. And we will absolutely use that as an excuse if any of our NFL picks are wrong. I mean, locking in NFL picks on a Wednesday, it's unheard of. Anyway, thanks for supporting the podcast. And if you aren't subscribed yet, please do subscribe at SoundCloud.com slash GambleOnPodcast or on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app, where you can leave us a rating and review. We appreciate it. And Eric, later in the show, we'll be joined by sports better Brad Feinberg to give his perspective from the public side of this exploding sports betting industry. But we have a couple of other segments to get to first, so let's start the show. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. As usual, we have three stories. 
stories this week, and I'll start uh, by telling you what one of them isn't. Uh, we aren't treating three new mobile sports books in New Jersey as a top story. Been there, done that, not a lot more to say at this point. Uh, so let's get to what actually is our first story. NFL Week 1 is in the books. So much to talk about here. Uh, Sunday was a busy day at every sports book in the country. Uh, there was a quote on ESPN.com from our guest on last week's pod, uh, Eric Zimney, saying they had a sizable crowd at the lone operating sports book in West Virginia. Uh, I don't want to call the first NFL Sunday the Super Bowl of sports betting because, well, the Super Bowl is probably the Super Bowl of sports betting. But this is uh, maybe the Christmas Day of sports betting. Uh, I have a few fun gambling stories I heard about uh, and interesting trends, uh, but we'll circle back to them. First, John, I want to ask you, uh, you were live in person at the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands on both Sunday and Monday. What stood out to you? Uh, yeah, Sunday was interesting, especially for those who uh, around the country or even around the world. We've got some international followers, obviously, uh, about the Meadowlands. Uh, it's, New Jersey is the only state in the U.S. that has an NFL team and has two, actually, uh, and sports betting uh, legal. Uh, plus, they are in the same sports complex and so close to Manhattan. So it, it sounds like a big winner. But in fact, uh, with a one o'clock game, the book mostly is available only to fans with tickets uh, from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. or so. It's a weird situation. Uh, you can't get in there without a ticket and or really more importantly, without a parking pass, which can cost right. you at least thirty dollars. Not many people pay a thirty dollar cover to go to a sports bar. So uh, <laughs> even with a sports book. So uh, it, it was a strange situation on Sunday. They're working on some kinks here and there. And of course, I was there Monday night for the Jets game. Uh, at seven o'clock, which went a little better for the Jets fans. Uh, after the pick six on the first play by Sam Darnold, uh, it, it went uh, swimmingly well. And uh, it was overall, it was a good experience. It's a big sports bar, a lot of TVs, auxiliary bar. There, there was like plenty of people there. Uh, there were lines for, for, for betting, but not overwhelming lines. You know, uh, the seats were filled for the sports bar, but not five deep where you can't even get a drink. So it worked out uh, nicely, actually, on Monday night. I haven't uh, looked ahead to the whole schedule for the season to see whether there is a football Sunday in which neither the Giants nor the Jets hosts anybody. Um, but uh, that that would be an interesting uh, test case to see, uh, you know, when when anyone can get in there easily on a Sunday when with a full slate of NFL betting, if the place is a little crazier. Right. In fact, I don't think FanDuel even is sure what they will do with that, because once fans get accustomed to the idea that on a Sunday you can't go there, um, mm -hmm. Will they promote something uh, for one week? Uh, also, four o'clock games or a Sunday night game. Um, there's, there's a lot of different situations, and uh, everybody involved, uh, frankly, is, is going on the fly here. Right. <laughs> a lot of, right. A lot of uh, improvisation uh, with this uh, first football season for which uh, betting has been legal in New Jersey. So my favorite betting story of the week uh, is something that speaks to our changing world uh, with in-game mobile betting and the DK Sportsbook cash out option. I'm not sure if you, you saw this, John, but with the Bears leading the Packers 17 nothing at halftime on Sunday night and Aaron Rodgers questionable to return, a DK Sportsbook better placed two thousand dollars on the Bears just to win sixty dollars if they held on to win. Uh, dumb bet, uh, given the amount that the better had to lay. However, six minutes later, the better did something pretty damn smart. When Rodgers returned to the game, he cashed out for one thousand eight hundred thirty-eight dollars and twenty cents. Still a loss of one hundred sixty-two bucks, but. 
He saved that 1,800 plus as, of course, Rodgers led the Packers to a dramatic comeback win. Uh, pretty fascinating. And uh, yeah, using that cash out option uh, really paid off for the, for that guy. There. Uh, I've actually used it myself. Uh, I had a, a similar, but it wasn't, okay, it was $5, but still it was a similar <laughs> bet on uh, Jason Day to win a tournament, a golf tournament a couple weeks ago. And uh, he was about nine strokes back entering the final round had absolutely zero chance and they offered me a 45 cent return on my five dollars and i couldn't believe that i even had that available and so i took my 45 cents and it, it gave me an 11 cent win for the week so so i also <laughs> was clever in my uh in my maneuvering on on the the cash out but remember the cash out works both ways you could have a hundred dollars yep. on a game and your team's way ahead but you just think they lucked into it maybe it's a punt return for a touchdown or something or somebody got hurt right. in the middle of a game and they're gonna offer you 150 to take you know, to walk away from your you know potential 300 dollars win or something and you can do that too so i think it's 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 actually intriguing uh, uh i think uh every book probably is gonna have to take a look at it yeah absolutely Le- uh, adds a, another layer to to the whole sports betting thing uh, another fun fact about that particular game packers and bears 97 percent of the money line bets at DraftKings were on the packers so that was uh, not good news for DraftKings, but uh, they made it back because 97% of the money line bets in New Orleans versus Tampa Bay were on the Saints. Uh, so pretty well balanced out there. And, and uh, the last thing I want to touch on, it was interesting. One big story we were tracking last week, the shifting lines in the Eagles-Falcons kickoff game. The Eagles mm-hmm. started at about minus four and a half. The line moved all the way to Atlanta being favored in some places, uh, pick them in a lot of other places. And the Eagles won by six, so it didn't matter where the line was when you bet it. If you took Philly, you won. If you took Atlanta, you lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, our second story this week uh, is about possible Northeast casino gaming oversaturation. Uh, John, uh, I, I don't know if you spend any time at home anymore. Uh, you were at the Meadowlands <laughs> for two days, and you also took a trip to Resorts World Catskills, and you came away uh, less than optimistic about the future of that casino. And I know you have some thoughts on whether we've surpassed critical mass for casinos in some of these northeastern states. So what did you see in the Catskills? And as you drove home, were you singing I've had the time of my life to yourself? <laughs> well, yeah, got to get the dirty dancing reference. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, well, most interesting to me is I, I only live about an hour away from this casino. It took me an hour seven to get there in northern New Jersey. And I have not seen any advertising anywhere. You know, I've gotten no flyer, no reference, nothing in the mail. I mean, I'm I'm old enough to be a customer for them. And uh, uh, I'm in the right demographic, right region. And they don't seem to have marketed to North Jersey at all, which is kind of crazy. Uh, but basically, uh the good news is the bad news there going to the Catskills uh, Resorts World. Uh, it's big and it looks impressive. Uh, it reminds me of Revel in 2012, uh, mm. RIP 2014. <laughs> right. uh, also, Trump Taj Mahal in 1990. You know, there's a famous story of an analyst who predicted that massive Atlantic City casino was doomed from day one. And the owner got the guy fired and uh, he sued and he won a big settlement and leveraged that into a massive investment consulting fortune. But the guy was right. Uh, Trump Taj Mahal ultimately went bankrupt several times. And, and the bottom line is the same for Trump Taj Mahal, Revel, and and perhaps Resorts World Catskills, which is that uh, you know what your uh, your your nut is, your, your monthly debt service. And if you can't hit that number uh, in revenue 
or net revenue in the first month, you're dead. I mean, you can't you can't make it. And this casino is a billion dollar property. It's impressive, as I say, but uh, they just aren't making the kind of money they, they need. Um, they're catering to the Asian market, which is not that far from New York City. Obviously, there's a big opportunity there. Uh, Chinese market has exploded, especially wealthy Chinese. It's important. But uh, uh, Sheldon Adelson uh, with Sands Bethlehem in, in eastern Pennsylvania is about as close as Resorts World Catskills is. And he's had that for 10 years or more. And he's done a great job with it. And it looks to me that he has been keeping that market. So um, the property's impressive as Revel was. It, actually, this one doesn't have the the kinks that Revel did uh, in terms of the structure. Um, but but it it's just... Uh, I don't I don't see it working if there's ever a Meadowlands casino or if they ever put live dealers at Yonkers, for instance, uh, this casino would be even more dead. Hmm. Yeah. And if anyone wants to know more specifics on that, I recommend they check out your story on U.S. Bets, uh, where you really went into the the details of uh, Resorts World Catskills and uh, yeah, point made that same point about uh, how the Sands uh, in Bethlehem has uh, succeeded in scooping up that Asian market. Uh, and you mentioned Revel. A few weeks ago, I, I was at the new ocean, and uh, I'm all aboard the ocean isn't going to be around anymore in a couple of years train. Um, I, I've said from the start, the location just isn't right, and Borgata already uh, had its claws in Ocean's theoretical clientele. Um, in my home state, um, I think the Pennsylvania setup is pretty good. Uh, casinos that are mostly pretty well spread out. Um, you know, there are the number, if you just look at how many there are, you might say it's, it looks like potential oversaturation, but I like the way they're positioned. There are four near Philly but only one in the city for now, and the other three are in the burbs spread out in different directions, and Philly is a population center that can support four casinos, and then the rest are nicely spread out around the state. So I don't know you know, whether there's true oversaturation in the Northeast or if there are just a handful of casinos that are ill-advised and in the wrong places. Well, I think Philadelphia is on the edge. You might They might get through, but they're on the edge. Um, all four New York State casinos that opened the last 18 months have underperformed expectations. Right. A lot of Native American casinos in, in the in the region. Uh, so nobody wins there. Um, right. And I think the biggest problem is uh, in Maryland, where the new uh, Washington, D.C. area casino is, is cleaning the clock of the established Maryland casinos. So, you know, I think there's definitely oversaturation there. All right, our third and final story is something a little different. Uh, it hasn't been reported on much. It might prove to be a quickly forgotten nothing blip of a story, but there's a new football league coming, the Alliance of American Football, and uh, this league will not have the talent of the NFL, maybe not even of the XFL, but it will be very betting-friendly. As ESPN's Darren Rovell reported, quote, the Alliance of American Football's in-house tech team has built a gambling product that not only will allow the gambler to watch a game on an app while betting on it on the same screen, it will also allow the league's exclusive gaming partner to better price the in-game odds by building a data set that correlates the likelihood of a certain bet winning, end quote. Um, MGM is an investor. They'll be the exclusive in-game gambling partner of this league for its first three seasons. What do you think, John? Can this league and this concept succeed? Will it last long enough to even have three seasons? Well, you know, last month I went to a uh, in, in Manhattan, I went to a uh, MGM NBA alliance on basically integrity fees. And uh, it reminds me of this where I don't get it. But the people making the deal are very rich and very smart, so I take pause on that. <laughs> okay. um, here, if this league had announced the launch before the December uh, Supreme Court hearing on the sports betting case, where it became kind of obvious what was going to happen, right? Or even if they ignored the the May decision, 
uh, uh, legalizing sports betting across the country, I'd say that they were dead. But Steve Sparrier was the only name announcement uh, that I could find made before the Supreme Court decision. Yet they now have eight teams launched in the South and West this winter. Um, as a guy who attended a couple of ABA games back in the day, I tailgated at USFL Jersey Generals games. I wrote a World League of American Football preview back in the early 90s, and I kept track of the ill-fated New Jersey Sentinels of the UFL maybe a decade ago. Uh, they had one game in the Meadowlands. Uh, I'll bet the under here, but I also <laughs> yeah. bet that, like most of these leagues, I bet some of their innovations will be ultimately incorporated by the NFL. Going off topic here a little, did you ever get to see prime Dr. J play in person in the ABA days? Uh, I did uh, twice, yes. Wow, very cool. All right. Um, well, a- as far as this uh, Alliance of American Football, uh, they're starting on February 9th, six days after the Super Bowl. So that's smart. Uh, football fans will be itching for more football. Um, and I like the idea of going all in on betting. You know, they, they see the future coming. They're getting ahead of the trends. It's very smart. Um, but... Yeah, as you just brought up, there's always the question, uh, and maybe it's not so much a question as it is just flat-out doubts uh, over whether a a secondary pro football league can work. Um, I still can't believe Vince McMahon is trying to bring the XFL back. Um, I loved the USFL as a kid. It came along at the perfect time for me. As a kid in Philly, we had the best team in the league, the Stars. Uh, I got really into it, uh, but I didn't know any better. I couldn't appreciate how much better the talent was in the NFL. Uh, and anyway, that didn't last. Uh, everything Donald Trump touches goes belly up before long. Uh, so bottom line, I think there are smart people behind this new league, but it's just such a huge uphill battle if you stick want to stick around as a competitor to the NFL. Uh, and you know, good luck to them with that problem in football where you want to avoid injuries, but you also want your defensive players to be allowed to touch the quarterback. Uh, this is a tricky time, knowing what we know about concussions, to be starting up a new football league. And how many bettors have money left after February 3rd or so? <laughs> That's a good point. From a betting uh, standpoint, they might be coming in at exactly the wrong time if everyone gets uh, wiped out. Uh, yeah, all depends how the Super Bowl props go. Ready to prove how smart you are and win some prizes? It's time for the Gamble On Trivia Question of the Week. Every week on the podcast, we ask a sports or gambling-related trivia question, and at the end of every month, we award a $25 Amazon gift card to one listener who has submitted a correct answer. All you have to do is tweet the correct answer to at US underscore bets, and make sure to include the hashtag GambleOn, and you'll be entered into the prize drawing. Last week, we asked, who was the first World Series of Poker main event winner to receive a $2 million prize? And the answer was Robert Varconi in 2002, the year before Chris Moneymaker won and ignited the poker boom. Uh, this was just before the boom, but the game was growing. Varconi won $2 million. The next year, it was 2.5 for Moneymaker. And then it went to $5 million the next year and 7.5 the year after that and $12 million the year after that. But I digress. Uh, what's this week's trivia question, John? So, Eric, this is a tough one. In Super Bowl 46, the Patriots versus the Giants, the rematch. Uh, I was there in Indianapolis in 2012. I remember it well. Uh, a better named Jonah Recknitz turned $1,000 into $50,000 by making a long shot prop bet at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. What was the bet that returned 50 to 1? Uh, and your hint, is good hint, is that he knew he'd won the bet before the first quarter of the game was over. All right. Should be an interesting one. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview.
Last week, we interviewed a VP at a casino in West Virginia to get his take on sports betting from the house's perspective. This week, we're going in a different direction. We're going to talk to a longtime sports better. Brad Feinberg has been a sports gambler for the last 25 years. He's the guy trying to take down the house uh, or the bookie. Uh, Brad, welcome to Gamble On. Hi, how are you guys doing today? We're great. Thanks for joining us, uh, Brad. And uh, I'm curious with my first question here. Uh, I'm curious how the legalization and regulation of sports betting has changed your approach to things. Uh, where did you used to place your bets prior to this spring in terms of the split between Vegas, bookies, offshore sites? And how sure. has that changed? Uh, have you shifted to new venues, either live or online? Yeah, good question. Most of my bets I do are futures where I take a team, or I should say most, but a large portion of a team, a team to win the World Series, a team to win the Super Bowl. And a lot of that encompasses shopping. Like, you know, for example, someone may have the Rams at 20 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, and someone may have them at 8 to 1. And I go from property to property to make sure I get the best fills because that's very, you know, very, very important. Mm-hmm. I was actually pleasantly surprised that because there's here in Del, you know, in, uh, I live in Philadelphia and Delaware Park is not too far from me. Um, they took pretty significant bets size wise, much more than I was anticipating, uh, both on straight games and on the futures. So for me, it's been and I, same thing going down to uh, the Atlantic City area. It's been actually a very good experience because I've been able to get. Um, I used to always do almost everything exclusively in Vegas in terms of having to place my futures at and offshore. And now having these other options has been, has been great. It's really, I've been able to get a ton of stuff down and it's really, it's really been a lot. It's been terrific for me. It really has. And it's funny if you think about it, like the United States was really behind the times and that, you know, gambling is basically sports gambling. That is, is more or less legal and almost, you know, throughout the world. And there was this, when we look back, when our kids' kids look, you know, 100, 100 years from now, they'll, they'll laugh, like, oh, my God, sports gambling was not legal back in, like, 2015. How is that possible? Why is that? Mm-hmm. And uh, we were really just very archaic, for you know, in terms of how how long it took to get this to come through. Yeah. Um, and it just had a bad stigma about it for no reason, for no good reason. And now it looks like we're finally getting uh, past that. And uh, yeah, I think you're going to see this fully blown up in terms of almost every state within the next couple of years. Yeah, Brad, this is John. Uh, I've been to a Delaware Racino, which is Dover Downs, and all six of sure. City sports books and the Meadowlands, Monmouth Park uh, racetracks over the last three months. So I've talked to sports bettors uh, everywhere. Um, there are plenty of novices who don't know about – they don't know about – they would – they would shy away from bookies, offshore books. That's just something they, they're not comfortable with. Uh, many have never even been in a sports book before. So uh, can, as an expert, can you give any basic advice you would give them? And, and also, uh, is there a piece of advice you can offer they wouldn't usually hear from a professional that, that kind of gets overlooked? Uh, God, well, again, it, it's funny. One thing that raises your IQ immediately is if, and again, maybe some of these people won't be able to do this or have the time to do it, and I, I'm lucky that I do, but – Again, if you have the ability to have just what two outs, by two outs I mean two places to play to put it, put in your wager, that half point, the casino charges you. If you want to, you're allowed to buy a half point on a game, and so you know, suppose you're betting a hundred dollars and you're risking 110 to win 100. 
if you want to buy a half point on a basketball game from laying four to laying three and a half, okay, mm-hmm. now you have to put up 120. If they charge you an extra 10 cents. But if you have the ability to have more than one out, for example, if you, let's say you're down in Atlantic City, okay, and there's a Caesars property and there's a, a, a Golden Nugget or, a, or the MGM property or the, uh, the Borgata property, if you have the ability to just drive an extra two minutes or walk or whatever it is, shop the property if you have the app, mm-hmm. that extra half point is worth, it, it raises your IQ a tremendous amount because mm-hmm. probably about three to 5% of the time, the, the game can land on that number, probably closer mm-hmm. to 3%. But that 3% over time adds up, which can make you being from a losing gambler or, you know, you know to a potentially a break-even or winning gambler just by having the best line and the best number. Um, I would also say... Don't be afraid to ask questions. If you're unsure of something, the people who are at these casinos, you know, this is their, they're in customer service. If you have any questions or you're unsure of something, ask them, you know, don't, don't be, don't feel, don't feel threatened. Don't feel nervous that, Oh, I don't know this. I have to do something. Ask them. These people, they work there to service you, the customer. So I would not, not be afraid to, to ask them if there's anything you're uneasy of or unsure of. Unless it's, it's two minutes before kickoff, right? <laughs> yeah, well, then, then, yeah, then, then, then you're probably, uh, yeah, they're probably not going to be so helpful in that exact moment, for sure. So, Brad, every gambler has stories. Uh, I'm curious if you could give us uh, your all-time biggest win and also your most crushing bad beat. My most crushing bad beat is easy, and it's funny. And if you speak to any gambler, or at least any gambler I know, every single one remembers the <laughs> The, the, I mean, I could, I could, I mean, God, I could, I could tell you stories. You could be on the next ten hours of the bad beats. Uh, Scott Van Pelt would be jealous. Um, I probably had them every one of those. But my worst one ever. It was I'm trying to, my my daughter. I think was well, 2018. Now my daughter was maybe like three. God, this was this had to be about I'd say ten years ago, give or take. Okay. And I did I did a $2,000 parlay to pay $1.2 million. Okay. Whoa. And it was a seven game money line parlay of all huge underdogs. Okay. I remember the biggest one was the, this was when the, the this was years and years ago that <laughs> the Rams were like all in seven and they were at the Saints getting like eight to one odds. And that was one of the games I put in my parlay. Again, I do these. I thought they were all, I thought every one of these had value. Each individual play I thought had value. Um, and that one, that was the big one that was getting like eight to one odds. And this is before, now you can do live betting. And, if, you know, you can bet, you know, if people don't know, you can bet, at least on my offshore accounts, you can bet during the game. Right. Um, and get out of, like, for example, let's suppose you have a parlay, $100 to pay 260 and you won the first game and the second game is looking good, but you don't want to, like, you know, or take the game like the Eagles-Falcons game last week. You can hedge out of that and say, you know what, I, I, I think if you had the Falcons, I think Eagles are going to win, and you can, whatever the live betting is, you can lock in, you know, something by betting the opposite side. This is way before those days, okay? So basically, you're either going to win or you were going to lose. And six of the, six of the games... Or, uh, had won, or I knew you know knew we were going to win, and everyone was getting at least three to two or higher, and that's why again it it, it paid it paid one point two million dollars. The last game, 
I don't, I remember the, I still remember to this day, there was the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins was a guy named Cleo Lemon. <laughs> and the Dolphins were O and 8 or O and 7. It was like week 8 of the NFL season. And they were beating the Bills. And I had the Dolphins with the money line. They were beating them 10 to 2 with 10 minutes left in the game. 10 to 2. And I knew I had the other, the other games. They were all winning easily. And I knew they were going to win. And I remember going up and taking the longest shower in my entire life because I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't watch it. Like, you know, this was life-changing money. Right. I couldn't, I couldn't watch it. So I took like, I swear it was like a 45 minute shower. And I just, <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'm just going to find out if I won or lost. So I logged into my account and <laughs> I see, you know, there's not seven figures in there. <laughs> so I see, I see, I, I see that, I see that I lost and they lost 13 to 10. And what's funny is I became obsessed again, way before like you could watch every game on TV or whatnot. And like, I was able to find on inside the NFL, they showed highlights of that game. And Ted Ginn, when it was 10, 10 returned the kickoff for a touchdown to give Miami a lead 17, 10. And they called the worst block in my back penalty uh, I've seen in my life. Yeah. I still remember it. It still sticks with me to this day. Um, so I would say that was definitely, um, I, I lost this part. I mean, that was, that was the toughest, you know, the toughest beat. I mean, I guess had a lot of them in terms of good wins. Um, yeah, let's, 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 let's finish the question yeah, on, a, was, on a happier that, that note. A give me, one. give me, give me yeah. a fun win. <laughs> I'll give you a fun win. Um, again, I, I do everything based on odds and I would encourage other people to do that too. What do I mean by that? Let's suppose... Um, you think something has a one in 10 chance of happening. You think it's going to lose, right? Nine out of 10 times. But if someone's offering you 15 to one odds, you should make that bet a hundred out of a hundred days, because if you do it over time, you're going to get a nice return on your investment. Right. Okay. But you, I put in losing bets all the time where I know that over the long run, it'll still be a profitable bet, even though I think it's going to lose that isolated time. This was, I think it was 2004. The Detroit Tigers were 300 to one to win the pennant in um, baseball. This is it was Justin Verlander's rookie season, I believe, and I had a nice $500 bet on that one, which was a that was a nice hit. Uh, they ended up going to the World Series. I didn't have them to win the World Series. I had them to win the pennant, and they played the uh, they lost to the Cardinals in the World Series. But that was a a very nice hit that I you know that I want in terms of uh, a future, again, betting on something I thought would lose, but I thought the uh, true odds on that team should have been maybe closer to 100 to one to win the pennant. And I got 300 to one. So I made the bet knowing, you know, I still thought it had value and, um, you know, it won. Right. And I, and I think that might've been Oh six. I think it's, uh, yeah, it was something like, I think it was Oh six. I actually think you, I think you are right. I think it was, I think it was 2006. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, that was, that was in terms of like big, like big hits, big long shot things. That was, that was definitely, Oh, you know, another one that was really good was, and this was a, again, being at the right place, right time. When the, it would be hard to do this in today's time, but when the, when the, uh, Celtics signed, uh, Ray Allen, uh, or they traded for Kevin Garnett and got Ray Allen and they did that, you know, they had their whole big three thing. Mm-hmm. One of my offshore sites was, like slow and adjusting the line on the 
Celtics to win the title. And uh, I was able to, to, to really hit that one pretty good. Nice. And they, they beat the Lakers in, uh, in six games that year. Right. Yeah, Brad, that, that actually comes to my next question. Uh, there have been some odd lines posted uh, in this new era in New Jersey uh, uh, on these sports books. And I think there was an odd one on Baylor uh, football on Monday night. And then uh, the Falcons-Panthers game this weekend, there were uh, opposite sides of who was the favorite by four or five points, uh, which is obviously a massive differential. Uh, might there be enough of these still coming for an amateur to find it worth his while to sign up for all the legal New Jersey sites and, and keep surfing for another one? Or, or is that just uh, well, you know, kind of a week one issue? In a situation, again, and I can only speak for me, in a situation like that, if that happened, with, at least with, you know, I do a lot of stuff offshore, if there was a, a bad line posted now, they they would not honor the bet. They would actually say it's a wrong line, and mm. they flat out would not pay you. <laughs> they would cancel your bet, and it would just be refunded. Now, with these brick-and-mortar places like New Jersey, um, if they are unable to, they may legally not be able to, to do that. They may have to honor it. Yeah, if you have the chance to look at the lines uh, in one of the New Jersey casinos and you see it's off two points or something like that, I mean, that's a legitimate edge for the player. And if you have that time to, to, to go and check and do that, I absolutely would say it's worth it. Yeah, it sounds like it would it would be you know with a uh, officially regulated uh, uh, a book like you have in New Jersey now. Yeah, I can't imagine they can not, not take that. You offer the bet, you're stuck with it, and and they'll have to deal with it. So that that might be an advantage. Uh, there's a lot of dispute about whether uh, people who on offshore books are going to actually come yeah, to the regulated site. But, all, all but the this, time. Yeah. So this might be this might be one. I hadn't thought about it, but this might be one reason why it could be worth it to go to the uh, officially regulated ones because you're you're safe with your bet absolutely and, and again what's it always interests me like um i was just for example and you, you never know there's always there may be you and i will look at this and, and this is what the the pros will do i was just at the golden nugget on um a few days ago right before the season started and i looked yeah i hadn't been in there and i looked at all their nfl season wins and i i had these memorized to a t i knew exactly what each team should be what the right number is what the right price is and the entire world had the Rams at uh, 10, I'd say 10.25 was a fair number because it was 10 laying big juice on the over or 10 and a half tilted towards the under. So it was, you know, let's call fair value 10 and a quarter wins. They had nine and a half and the juice was very moderate. And they, they were, I mean, that, that was it. That was a gift. The bet may lose. I mean, I mean, maybe the Rams go nine and seven, but that's not the point. The point is, is that I should have been laying close to probably two to one on the over on that, mm-hmm. and I was laying, I think it was like a dollar twenty or something like that, and it was just, just a really good play. Um, and that was the one thing I saw there. But if you if you have the chance to look and study these casinos, when there's so many things they're posting, especially in college. In the NFL game, they're not going to ever make a mistake. That's never going to happen on an individual NFL game. But on a season win total, uh, a college second half, a college first half, um, you know, and also some of these casinos may not know. A little trick I'll tell you is, like, look at Virginia Tech last week. I think they were a 41-point favorite, and the over-under I think was 47 or 48. <laughs> if, you take, if you take Virginia Tech and parlay that to the over – they should not allow that. But some of these, again, I haven't seen if these New Jersey casinos understand that it's, it's called the rule of three, where if it's, you know, 
seven and 41 is close to six, you know, you divide it by six, but if you, you they, they're not supposed to let you to parlay a favorite and the over. Cause again, if you were to take Virginia tech minus 42 and the totals 49 the over and Virginia tech are extremely correlated right. and they're playing you plus two sixty. Some of these casinos, because they're new, they may not even know, okay, wait a minute. What, what's the rule of three? Oh, we're, we're, we're just going to let this be put in. So there's certain mistakes, yeah, inefficiencies. It's like anything else in life. These things dry up eventually, but when people are going through the growing pains of a new, of a new something that's new to them, there's going to be probably some mistakes and some inefficiencies that you can pick off and hopefully profit on. Wow, fascinating stuff. Uh, I feel like we could uh, we could talk to you all day about this, Brad, and maybe maybe we'll have you back on again uh, in, in a few weeks to to share some more of these insights and gambling stories. This was really interesting. Uh, th- thanks so much for for joining us. Uh, and, uh, oh, my pleasure, guys. My pleasure, guys. And I hope uh, hope all is good with you. And I appreciate I appreciate the time. Thanks, Brad. Thanks a lot, okay. Brad. Two men, two men, ten thousand dollars. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. We'll get to our two-man version of the Super Contest in a bit, uh, though I'll announce now what we're calling it. Uh, the Fast Five. Uh, it's the name of a hit movie. It rolls off the tongue. Uh, we're making five picks every week in our contest, and we run through them pretty quickly. So there you have it, The Fast Five. That worked for you, John? Uh, Eric, I told you you were the creative one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that as a yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> all right. Um, first, however, we have our shared bankroll to report on. And thanks to my main man, John Brennan, we booked a little win since last week. I did poorly on my NFL Week 1 bets. I lost $100 on my Houston Texans money line bet and another 100 on my long shot Texans-Bengals parlay. Uh, remember, kids, one out of two is no good in a parlay. Uh, but John turned 110 into 210 on the Jags to cover the three-point spread against the Giants. And then he doubled up on that hunch with his parlay bet, uh, Jags minus 2.5 and under 43.5 points in the game uh, at a plus 290 payout. Uh, So my week one football bets lost $200, but John's won $390. Unfortunately, we lost $100 back with your Tony Finau bet. Uh, Once again, one stroke out of the money on that one. Missed Uh, it by that much. (laughs) (laughs) So we're now uh, down $620 from where we started. Plus, we have a lot on hold in futures bets, $1,470 on hold. So our bankroll stands at $7,910, but it is trending in the right direction. Uh, John, you're up uh, with the first bet of the week. Uh, yeah, I'm getting on the college football train. We're going to do lots of that uh, this fall, I promise. Uh, I like <laughs> Vanderbilt plus 14 and a half at Notre Dame. Uh, the Irish have a huge betting contention, frankly, nationally, and they're not all Irish like me, but people still like to bet them. Uh, they have a lot of fans, and they tend to land shaky point spreads. Uh, remember, there's a stretch where they, they were in nine consecutive bowl games they lost because every time they would always get in a better bowl game than they deserve because of their fan following, and, of course, they'd lose the game. So uh, you keep that in mind with their point spread, and this is not your father's Vanderbilt, and I expect a competitive game. Uh, I tend to be leery of the 7.5 and 14.5 point chasers, but uh, I'm comfortable with this one. All right. Our, our, our CEO, Adam Small, will appreciate that bet. Uh, good good, uh, good butt kissing uh, from you <laughs> to, uh, to bet Vandy. And I didn't even know. <laughs> um, all right. So for, for my bet here, um, instead of making my usual two separate bets this week, 
I'm making three, but they're all on one sporting event, uh, and I'm doing multiple bets because I want to hedge. Um, I'm betting on the big fight in Las Vegas this weekend. It's Gennady Golovkin versus Canelo Alvarez, the biggest boxing match of the year. Their first fight was a draw, and I'm having a hard time making a pick on this one as well. I think it's a really tough fight to call. Uh, but there are a few long shot bets I like on possible ways it could end. I think a close decision for Alvarez is very possible. I think a late knockout win for Golovkin is very possible. So I'm placing $50 on Alvarez by majority decision specifically at plus 1400 That one would win 700 I'm placing $50, $50 on Alvarez by split decision at plus 850 to win 425 and I'm placing $50 on Golovkin by knockout in rounds 10 through 12 at plus 1100 to win 550. So I'm risking 150 in all. And if any of those three outcomes comes in, we come out a few hundred bucks ahead. All right. I'm going to go back to the NFL for my uh, next pick. Uh, you know, I think week two is as fun as week one is confusing uh, when you're picking NFL games. Uh, my big pick here is the Redskins giving three and a half points to the Colts, uh, 200 to win 180. Uh, I had them last week uh, and still warn people that the sell-by date for Adrian Peterson and Jordan Reed may expire soon. Uh, but until then, they, they can be a nice early season play. Don't don't stick with them forever. But uh, for now, uh, it's looking good. The Redskins are at home. The Colts' defense is shaky, and the Redskins look good almost everywhere, though not great anywhere. So uh, that's my that's my pick. Okay, and we wrap up with the Fast Five. In week one, I went 4-1, and one, and I was one point away in the Texans-Pats game from going a perfect 5-0. and oh. And you went 3-2. and two. Uh, You went against the Eagles, and it cost you. Uh, but you did well overall. Uh, a winning record is always good. So we're off to a good start, uh, though officially I'm off to a better start. Uh, well, I, I like the <laughs> idea that we went to combine 7-3, and three, and the closest game we had was not uh, a loss but could have been a could have been a win, which was the with the Falcons, right? I mean, I've got uh, uh, the ball on the five yard line, uh, last play of the game, touchdown, wins it. Yep. Uh, there's a catch uh, in the end zone, uh, but the guy's out of bounds. So yep. if if he if he had been able to stay in bounds, uh, we're eight and two, and say we're we're closer to eight and two than six and four. So that looks good. Yeah. Uh, so here's my picks. Um, this is not gonna last all season. I'm not always gonna go uh, double down on picks, but uh, for now I will again go on the Redskins minus three point five. As my first pick for the reasons I stated, uh, pick two is the Patriots. Uh, pick them at Jacksonville. Uh, maybe a limited four net for, for the Jaguars. I got Belichick in a week two game. Uh, Jaguars team that may not be as bloodthirsty as they should be. Uh, they didn't do anything in the second half against the Giants. Uh, I don't see the Jags as ready for this battle. Uh, pick three is the Falcons minus five over the Panthers. Uh, the Falcons split, spit the bit for me in the final play, as I mentioned, uh, to give you the early pool lead. But uh, they'll come up big at home here, I think. Uh, 16 points for the Panthers against the Cowboys defense doesn't inspire me. Uh, so pick four is the Chiefs uh, plus five and a half at the, at the Steelers. Uh, do not do not ask for whom the bell tolls. The bell tolls for the Chiefs in this one. Uh, <laughs> Mahomes to Hill already looks like a big winner. Yeah. And there's been something off with the with the Chiefs the last uh, three years, last few years, uh, but same with the Steelers. And I think the Chiefs are more on track uh, to get get back in action on that. So finally, the pick five is the Raiders plus four at Denver. Uh, big challenge for Raiders coach John Gruden after last week's loss and, and the trade they made. And, and I, I think he's got enough in him to rally the troops against what is not truly a great team. Uh, I, I give I give Gruden some credit for getting the, the troops ready. 
All right, well, this is uh, fascinating that uh, for the second week in a row, we have none of the same picks. And uh, <laughs> until your last uh, pick there, we almost had none of the same games. Once again, uh, we, we do have an overlap on a game. Uh, you can obviously guess uh, <laughs> that I must be going the other way on it. Um, but and uh, before I get to my fast five, I'll just note that, you know, you were saying we could have been a combined eight and two or something like that. Uh, this, unlike the bankroll thing, uh, is not uh, is, is not a team sport. We are head to head here. Uh, you are my. <laughs> You are my enemy in this job. I see. All right. That's how it's going to be. Yep, that's the way it's going to be. So here are my uh, five picks. First, I've got the Chargers uh, minus seven and a half at Buffalo. I think the Bills have a chance to be historically bad. They might make a run at 0-16. Chargers are coming off a loss. They'll be fired up. I'm not not concerned about a West Coast team coming east. I like L.A. to cover even that big seven-and-a-half-point spread. Um, I'm going with the Jets, uh, minus one against Miami. Uh, I'm buying the Jets a little. I'm not buying Miami at all. Uh, and I need this if my under six-and-a-half wins bet uh, for the Dolphins is going to come in. Uh, I really need them to drop this one. I think the Jets will be 2-0 and after Sunday. Um, I'm taking San Francisco, uh, giving three and a half points against Detroit. Uh, tough matchup for the Niners in week one on the road against the Vikings. I like them to cover at home against a below average Lions team. Uh, the one that I am taking the opposite side uh, versus your pick is I'm taking Denver uh, minus four against Oakland. Looks to me like Oakland's going to stink this year. Uh, and uh, with a competent quarterback in Case Keenum, I like Denver to compete for a playoff spot. Uh, I think there's a real chance of three playoff teams in the AFC West, uh, just Oakland left out of uh, that that party there. Um, my final pick, uh, I'm taking the New York football giants at uh, plus three uh, at Dallas. Uh, so I'm going with both New York teams this week. Uh, the Cowboys are a mess. Uh, I don't think they should be three-point favorites, even at home against an average team. A mega stinker from Eli Manning is always in play, um, but... I will take the Giants to cover and uh, and probably uh, to win outright here. Uh, so that will do it for the Fast Five, and uh, that'll do it for the podcast this week. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Gamble On. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan, and follow U.S. Bets at U.S. underscore Bets. Check out usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling, and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. John, I'll hand it over to you to do the honors and take us out. Eric, I didn't know you were going to be my arch enemy, but it's good to learn. <laughs> and uh, So for everybody else, until next time, let's gamble on. <laughs>